welcome. It's good to be here. Welcome, welcome to Tea with Alsa. Unfortunately, we don't have tea. Well, at least I don't anyway, because I'm very tired. I've got a lovely oat flat white here, as you can see. I prefer uh, coffee anyway. <laughs> nice one, fantastic. So we're here we have Linda Smiley. She's the co-founder of Kaya Ma, a sustainable fashion brand that produces cactus leather all the way from Mexico, I believe. Yeah. So, Kaya Ma, chat to me. How did you come up with the brand? So it was during the pandemic, myself and my co-founder, Laura, who can't be here today. We just came up with this crazy idea of making luxury fashion a bit more sustainable. Um, everything's made from calf skin, so we wanted to provide an alternative solution to leather. And we got some samples from all over the world. We got samples of grape, pineapple, mango, like all these different fruits and they're all available in the market if anyone's ever interested. The best one we came across was Deserta, which was cactus based leather and that's seen across our bags. And then since then we got in touch with some designers and we started our first launch of Kayomar. And since then we just went step by step and here we are today ready to launch Kayomar independently. So that will happen in the next few weeks. So I'm very excited about that. Fantastic. And how did you manage to start independently? Because we know a lot of companies, they rely on you know funding from other, other people, maybe from banks, maybe they take out loans. How did you manage to get yours off the ground? Well, surprisingly or not, during the pandemic, you kind of got that free time to do a little bit more outside your work because you're working from home. So together we'd spend like our free time just coming up with some ideas and designing, etc. So that was a high benefit for us. And then the rest was just collaborating with other people around the world. Like we've worked with international clients and international suppliers actually are manufacturers in China and Costa Rica. And our suppliers in Mexico are designers in Paris. And we had like website designers from like Colombia, so Albania. Yeah, so we've had help from everyone. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was just us doing everything. I wanna give gratitude to everyone else who was on board with us. But also when we started the journey, we wanted to test the market. So we initially launched our products in Kickstarter. And it's this platform where you kind of just start your ideas and see how it booms within the market and there's an interest. And we did quite well. So that was um, a good tester. And now we're ready to launch independently and see how we do with the rest of the world. We do ship internationally, so we want to kind of be able to identify which market it will work best in and see how how we do independently really. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> and kind of when you did your market research, um, how much interest was there in what you were designing and what you were promoting, which is effectively sustainable fashion? Well, you can see the shift towards vegan and sustainability mainly through food. Mm. I think day to day you see more alternatives to vegan options for meat in restaurants. So it's definitely taken a tour in um, the food industry. And I think the fashion is picking up slowly. Mm. There's definitely a massive gap within the fashion industry. There's not many sustainable fashion brands that are vegan, or if they're vegan, you just find them kind of like in the market. You, you, you find a big gap within the luxury market. So we're definitely trying to fill that gap and hopefully we get to supply that demand that is out there. Yeah. Well, why do you think there's such a gap in the industry right now, despite the demand? I think because people are only starting to acquire more knowledge of the whole supply chain. So they're more interested. They want to see, they want to pay. So they want their money to go to a good cause or for good value. So people, for example, even with 
ethical brands. They're paying more for a fair, fair trade banana rather than a normal banana. So I think everyone is more cautious in their purchases and people take more time to research what they're buying and where their money is going to. So I think everyone, social media has really increased that knowledge and it's allowed us to become more aware with everything and stay in touch with each other. So the world's becoming closer together. So I think people definitely are more interested in the supply chain of the product rather than just purchasing something rapidly. And they wanna make sure the fair trade as well, the suppliers are paid well. Um, there's so much boycotting for in like certain brands because they're not treating their employees fairly. And for us, it's so great to work with a company where we know our employees that are making the bags are treated fairly as well. And we want to have a very ethical journey. We're not 100% there yet, but we're learning with our suppliers and everyone else. And slowly yeah. we can fulfill that demand. Yeah, how, how difficult has it been to kind of follow that ethical journey 100%? Because obviously the supply chain of fashion industry is very complex. So how difficult has it been for you? There is no brand that is truly ethical throughout the whole supply chain. And I think the brands we're working with as well, they are working towards becoming ethical. Um, our supplier is two years old in the company and the same with our manufacturers. They're very young. So everyone who's jumping into the sustainable fashion pool, it's very new to it. So we're kind of working together and um, collaborating to make it work and reach them. It's hard to make 100% cactus bags because <laughs> then it'll be just liquid. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's a new journey for everyone. Um, so we'll slowly reach to a green sustainable journey together. I think it's highly dependent on the new infrastructures that are developed, new brands that are coming in the market because we are not creating the leather ourselves. So whatever's um, produced and whatever upgrades are available, we'll definitely reach out and collaborate with them. We always wanna provide the best of the best but for everyone in the industry right now, especially fashion, everyone's very new and they're trying to work together to become as more sustainable as possible. But I can confirm and I can honestly say no one's 100% there yet. Right, I kind of want to ask you maybe a question which you might not be able to answer, but that's why. Go for it. How, how important do you think um, is it for like these major fashion brands, you know, like, Gucci, your Yves Saint Laurent's, your whoever's, right? How important is it for them to kind of lead the way in terms of research and development? Because obviously they're the ones with the capital. Brands like yours, you're just starting out right now. So how important is it for them to kind of lead the way? Well, they definitely um, have a status in the market for being the way they are. So people that do go to them, they prefer calfskin. And it depends whether those customers change their minds and change their purchase habits and when they do i'm sure those brands will easily catch up and swap to more sustainable uh, fashion and that might happen in the future i can't speak for the high-end brands um uh, the high-end designer brands but um i think it all comes it all comes from the customer themselves it depends how customers purchasing habits change and if more people change and learn more about sustainable fashion, then I'm, I think those brands would have to catch up as well. Mm, awesome. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, sure. So you don't have a background in fashion. Uh, as far as I know, you actually have a background in finance. So talk to us a little bit about that. <laughs> how you pivoted from kind of finance into 
the fashion industry? Yes. Uh, so um, my master's degree is slightly creative. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I do have a master's in marketing and advertising. So that always allows me to remain creative. Um, and I always wanted to do something outside finance because I think finance sometimes is quite structured and you're always having to follow a procedure or stick to the box and fashion and being creative allows you to kind of go abstract and think outside that. Um, I think I just wanted to kind of create my own thing and this is definitely a representation of me and my ethics and morals and what I believe in and um, having COVID was kind of a good blessing. It gave me the time um, and the resources um, to make my own ideas come to life. But despite working in finance, I've always had that creative side, which I was just waiting for the right moment to just let out and explore a little bit further. So this was a great opportunity. And when you set up a brand, I think those two come, ha come in handy together because um, there is, it's quite hard to set up a brand just being creative. I think it requires a lot of data and analysis. So I had, I was kind of blessed to know a little bit about the both, mm. both fields and combine them together for Kaiomar. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, and I suppose it's quite difficult to kind of not just transition from finance to creative, but also kind of still have that data, that technical side mm -hmm. still there. So I was wondering kind of how you balance the two, both um, within Kaiomar and also if, you know, if you're still working in finance, for example, like how, how does that work with, with both of the people? Haven't you heard? We like boomed and I quit my job. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, so um, right now I'm still doing my full-time job day to day. Um, I'm working within financial um, insurance. Myself and Laura both work in those fields. Um, and we do this in our part-time and then when the brand needs more of our attention we'll definitely be able to give it more attention but right now we're just starting and growing and seeing how everything goes um, a mix between the both um, I think right now like I said previously we get so much help from different members around the world from like you go online and everyone's there you can find people to help you with anything we're not experts at anything which was trying to get the best people to come together and help bring our ideas to life mm. um, so hopefully we become somewhere and we um, provide something interesting to the market that is not currently available for sure uh, now you mentioned your co-founder Lara who can't be here unfortunately <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about her kind of and how you met and obviously this is a joint venture between you two um, what made you two decide to go, we need to do this, basically? Um, so we met in, we used to work as consultants in our previous job and we were um, working together for one of our clients. And I think every lunch break we would spend like trying to talk about innovative ideas and what we would change here and there. And it was just crazy, really. Like, um, so one day Lara was like, why don't we just make it happen? Like, we're always talking about all these things. Um, why don't we just start it and see like, what we're both interested in, let's go. She like took us to a room and she, we were like brainstorming what we both had in common, some ideas. And then uh, we both realized we like fashion. We like, uh, I mean, as women, everyone likes fashion, right? <laughs> and, and we came up with some ideas and we're like, okay. And then 
we had another brainstorm of like what is important to us and we shared similar like values of like being ethical and caring about like the environment the people etc etc we mixed them together we tried some other ideas before but this one stuck more to us and it seemed more feasible why <laughs> um the other ones were too big oh right okay. yeah for sure um yeah. and she's currently in colombia uh, she recently got engaged, Ooh. so congratulations to her for that. Oh. And uh, yeah, we're, we're very similar in what we believe in, so that really helps. Even when it came to designing and creating things together, it's really nice to work with someone who you connect with and you're kind of aligned. We're not too different when it comes to like what patterns, what colors, etc. we like, so that was quite easy. And and then the brand, um, it just, yeah, it just happened from those crazy meetings and talks we had at work. And then during COVID, we were like, we have so much free time. Let's do something and not stay bored and eat food and get fat. <laughs> yeah. That happened as well, well but... Of course, that, <laughs> but that happened no. to me as well, so... We were like, there. let's just do something like crazy on the side. And I was like, I never say no to many things. So I was like, okay, let's go for it. And yeah. we did some research, we were like, we didn't take anything seriously because we already had a job so this was like a part-time something just to have fun and sometimes when you don't take things too seriously they kind of work out yeah so it's almost like you had the freedom to basically yes go and explore and if you exactly. made a mistake it was all right like it wasn't yeah. the end of the world or anything like that um yeah like you were speaking about kind of that your similarities very much align um I was wondering how important is that in your opinion to have a co-founder who you kind of because for some people it's different right some people they need to be kind of different so that they complement one another uh but you're kind of saying that for you guys it works best when you're on the same wavelength so tell me how that kind of impacts the so what you do we do have our similarities and differences so similarities are we kind of follow the same career path um she also came from like a creative background because she um she did some journalist work and she worked with um, when she finished uni and then she moved to finance as well. So we worked for the same clients and we saw each other every day. We got very close because we found each other very similar. But day to day, we also have our um, differences as well. She likes, for example, to take on more of like analyzing some of the data stuff. And sometimes I'll just like to handle more on the social media, the website, etc. And then that kind of helps us complement each other and bring ideas together. So where we had similarities was, for example, when we had the designer in Paris coming up with a range of ideas, we did like a brainstorm and she came up with like a range of ideas. She was like, guys, pick which ones you like best. We picked separately. And then when we came together, we were, it was really nice to know that we had the exact same options for a lot of like designers. And even when people do certain things and give us options to pick, we always tend to pick the same stuff. So it's quite nice to have that. But when it comes to day-to-day -day work, we kind of split our responsibilities. And that's quite nice because some, for example, she might not like to do some of the website stuff, but I enjoy it lots. And right. some stuff, sometimes I don't want to look at data or analyze them because... Yeah. So whenever it becomes too yeah, much, you kind of share the burden. Exactly. So yeah. it's like, it's a good fit between us two. And we, yeah, I think our similarities and differences complement each other in different ways. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, talk to me about the name, Kaya Mark. Oh, okay, this was so strange. All right, go for it. Well, we're ready for it, so however <laughs> strange it is. Um... Okay, so we came up with some random names. 
And we gave them to our friends to vote. So this was based on our friends' votes. Okay, so it was a, like a poll. Yeah. Popular vote. Uh, Mar is C, and Kaya means C in Hawaiian. Uh, so it's C, C. Yeah, it's crazy, but <laughs> yeah, it just rhymes well. For sure. Um, so both myself and Laura were raised up in hot countries, and right. we spend a lot of our time by the beach and the sea. Like, there hasn't been a summer we haven't been to the beach. So for us, it was super nice to bring back our culture and our heritage back to the brand. And we were like, that's one, what do we, so whenever we have to make a decision, we're like, what do we like the most? So we write, we include all our senses, like smell, taste, memory, blah, blah, blah. It's a bit crazy, but yeah. we discuss it. We go into the brand identity quite a lot. Yeah. And we were like, what do we like? And we're like, we love the sea so much. And I was like, oh, great. I, I, I love it too. I'm always spending my summers in the beach. So, um, we put those ideas together and we, we were playing with names and it was quite fun. Yeah. Beach every summer, yeah? Beach every summer. There'll be a lot of people <laughs> watching that'll be very jealous because they've stayed in England their whole life. So. Yeah. Well, you should travel to the beach. It's yeah, very nice. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I mean, speaking of travel, kind of COVID-19 has kind of destroyed all that. I was wondering how COVID-19, because you said it helped you a lot. Like, how did it impact kind of supply chains for you? Because we know that kind of with COVID-19, you know, shipping costs have gone up, you know, transportation, like everything is just up in terms of price. So kind of how much of a challenge has that been? For you? Mm, the brands, the, our supplier and manufacturer were very efficient. Um, there were some delays in getting delivery, but overall everything went through the way, the timeframes we, the timeframes were met by everyone. Mm. Um, the only thing that was high, I think was some costs due to Brexit. And sure. Yeah, I think everyone's aware of those. Yeah, everyone's right. aware of the kind of Brexit costs. Yeah. Where it's all going. So, um, <laughs> Just those. But overall, uh -huh. um, it didn't affect the workload or the supply to any of our um, potential yeah. partners. Yeah, our partners, not potential. There are uh, our partners, yeah. Fantastic. Um, and kind of in terms of the brand vision and style, obviously we have kind of, you know, the sea and the beach being an integral part of that. Um, let's even have a look at those. Okay, so, um, so we've got some of these. Yeah. These are the leather straps. Now you can, I, I'll leave you to hold and tell yeah. us a little bit about so, it. So this is Calypso, it's named Calypso. And it comes from a Greek methodology of like the sea goddess and, or the sea gods. Um, and our whole brand designs are focused on abstract and um, you, you kind of can see it across the whole design and it's got parts of a woman's body so it's got face and shoulders neck etc and it's got like a feminine touch to it and as you can tell it's very abstract the designer for this strap was based in turkey oh no way yeah so he it was really cool to help us design awesome. this you definitely have an international blend going yeah on things. so it's very cool yeah and then I'm sure you know what this symbol is. <laughs> right, yes, so the blue eye. Yeah, so right. this is called Maji, um, and it's like a protector symbol in mm. a lot of like countries, and it's just like a good luck charm for people. Sure. Um, and I thought this will be cool because it'll be really recognizable in a lot of yeah. markets. Goes well with what you're wearing, by the way. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't planned. <laughs> and yeah, it's very cool. And what's um, really cool about our bags is that our straps are interchangeable. Fantastic. So 
we're trying to slow down fashion so instead of people having to buy multiple bags we are trying to get one person to buy a phone bag or a boxy bag yeah and then by changing the straps they can um change their day-to-day -day outfits yeah. and their bags like change the straps according to their outfits right so it's quite easy we also have a a black one so look if i turn this over it will look like this sure <laughs> both sides and then the phone bag comes with a, a very thin strap as well fantastic so yeah. our collection is very small but it's um just a taster yeah. of what we're gonna produce and we have so many more ideas for yeah. the future yeah and you were talking about kind of slow fashion versus mm -hmm. fast fashion um Kind of how important is that for not just you as kind of like you know making sure that you're ethical and sustainable but kind of like for the whole world we see like landfills being filled up you know year on year we have nowhere else to kind of mm -hmm. bury our items unless we kind of send the rocket to the moon True. which causes its own problems so um it is uh one of the biggest polluters fashion uh we england i think one of the was one of the biggest polluters across Europe. We buy so much fast fashion products and it takes so many years for every product to decompose. So I think um, also like the dyes, etc. they end up in the oceans, there's water intakes for everything to be produced as well. So there's a lot of um, disadvantages when you're buying things very rapidly because they break very quickly as well so you'd want i always recommend people to buy something that lasts longer mm -hmm. so pay for value rather than because you if you really calculate it you're buying so much more over a period of time if you're buying things very quickly that break very quickly right so um i think there's some trends changing again even with fashion um because before fast fashion slow fashion it was a term that was never really used or really defined before so i think People are becoming a little bit more familiar with it, but it's still very slow. Um, I think the effects of the two are seen in our climate changes. And um, it depends to each individual how much they care and what difference they want to make. Mm, 100%. Um, so we were talking about kind of like uh, international. Um, let, let's bring it back to the home country. Sure. Okay. So, as far as I know, you weren't born here. You were born in Albania. Mm -hmm. um, kind of how has that uh, experience for you um, helped you or maybe even hindered you in your life? We can talk about kind of both aspects. Uh, so, yes, I was, I was born in Albania yeah. and I lived there till the age of 10. And I think my roots will always be Albanian because I learned how to read and write and walk there, so I'm very familiar with the environment. Um, I think the main thing Albania helps me is it always reminds me to be humble. No matter where I go, I, I always remember where I came from. And um, for Kaimar, I would love to expand to Albania one day to collaborate with Albanian designers, manufacturers, etc, etc and to even be represented by our Albanian Kosovan stars we're like all one and yeah it would be great imagine getting like Julie for Rita Ora yeah water. exactly <laughs> you, if, you, if you guys are watching this this is the one invest <laughs> but no I, I would I would be very happy I think Lara as well if we can get our countries to 
mm. contribute to our brands and for us to give back to our community as well. Like in the future, um, when we collaborate even with charities, uh, we would both love if those charities are connected back home. Yeah, no, amazing. Um, and um, has it been kind of difficult to, to reach out to people back home or have you just not had the opportunity yet? We have, I think it's been slightly trickier right. um, than international brands. Um, I think because some of them have already got businesses with Italy. Sure. Um, so um, I think they, they've got well-established deals with Italian brands. So for that, for them to work with us, they, um, it took a lot longer to convince. Sure. But I don't see that as a disadvantage. Maybe they just need some time to realize yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and work, come back to us. Exactly. But no, I think in the future um, it could work out. I think as we, uh, as we were establishing the brand and we didn't have products, maybe it was slightly challenging for them to picture what we had in mind as well. Yeah. How have you been able to kind of expand like the reach of your brand? Because obviously starting the, the Kickstarter, a lot of people already have eyes on this and are kind of, you know, have invested their own money into it. So uh, what are the different ways that you've used to kind of, you know, push this brand forward in terms of like getting eyes on it? Uh, so yeah, Kickstarter was a good preview and now we'll just um, launch via our website, independent website. Um, we didn't use that for any purchases and now we'll be purchase will allow people to purchase through our social media so like instagram via website and we're becoming a lot more active in all like twitter tiktok etc so people can reach us and we're visible in across different platforms um we are still working in establishing a unique customer journey um the only thing i would highlight is because we don't have a store we're an online brand the only way we can interact with the customer is through delivery and through our website. So another thing we do is we try to make our packaging as ethical as possible. So we give, for example, like tote bags and dust bags that are 100% cotton organic and our packages are 100% from recycled cardboard, um, our labels, etc. Everything is quite ethical and we hope that these little touches kind of give the customer an excitement when they open the packages and um, they get to feel more of what it would be like if we had a store. So give them like a little preview of what our products are fully like. Sure. We want the entire journey to kind of be as ethical as sustainable as possible. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and obviously you, in terms of journey, you guys are just starting out um, yes. and obviously we hope that it's going to be a very long one indeed. Thank um, you. <laughs> going on for decades and decades. Um, but in kind of your short journey, what has been kind of the, the, the best thing about it and kind of that one moment where it's like, oh my God, like just down in the dumps, like your best and your worst moments? Mm, I think the best moment was seeing our products come to life. When uh, we got our samples, it was it was so crazy. Um, when we opened them, I think we have videos, and when we just opened and touched them, it was unbelievable. Like just to see something from paper to like feel it and touch it, it was we we're like right. we did this, no way! Right. <laughs> it was so crazy. You finally seen your vision yeah. just come out into reality. Yeah, it's it like, was, whoa! It, that was the most. That and Kickstarter was where like our most unique moments. Yeah. Um, 
challenging. I think there hasn't been anything too challenging. It's been like tiny things like trying to meet deadlines and uh, try and figure out like yeah. sometimes me and Lara think oh, we love our products so much but do other people think the same and right. like you always that worry doubt. yeah that internal doubt like uh, will they love it as much as us because it's just two people creating everything together and Kickstarter proved that it was successful but you're always constantly doubting yourself if people like things the same way you do yeah as an entrepreneur, how important is it to get over that doubt? Because you know, a lot of people, every, everyone's got an idea that they can think, yeah. oh, I can do this or I can make this. But you know, the vast majority of people, they have this doubt. They're like, oh, well, you know, I'm not gonna be able to do this. or I don't have time or people won't like it. Like mm. how important is it to get over that? And how do you personally get over that? Okay, I don't know how everyone's gets over it, but I'll talk about my own experience. Sure, sure. <laughs> so I think it's important to um, stay positive when you're doing something from scratch, it's important to have a strong, positive mindset throughout and with every failure to kind of not take it to heart but see it as a learning and development to recreate and know if something goes wrong, how I can make it better and learn from it. Um, so throughout our journey, there's no doubt that everything will be perfect and I'm very aware of that. Um, it's just important to learn from others, see how other people are doing, do your research, um, try new things, be different with your designs and your concepts, but just to be very strong and continue believing in your brand regardless if you have pitfalls and if you come across challenges and competitions, etc. Just continue to be innovative and find new solutions. So. That's how I go about it. I'm sure everyone has a different way. I don't think there's like, there's a lot of books, but they're all very different anyway. Yeah. I've read a few. And... <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I take inspiration from kind of, you know, so many other people. And it's kind of interesting to see how, you know, you know, you might look at someone and they might have a process in place that they put and they're like, oh, wow, like I had the same problem and these guys really managed yeah. to get past it by doing it their own way and so you kind of pick things from others yeah. and you apply it to your own content. It works sometimes but sometimes it doesn't because not everyone does the same thing right. so if someone set up a business it will never be the same business you will never have the exact same customers the exact same chain so yeah take some ideas and use your own instinct. Yeah sometimes. initiative yeah because yeah. at the end of the day you know whatever you do it's good it comes from you so it always has your personal imprint on it i think so i think sometimes there's a gut feeling maybe it's just me but sometimes when you know something's gonna work and it feels good you know it's the right decision and sometimes when something doesn't fit and doesn't quite feel right there's like some doubts and i think it's important with new products and starting something new to yeah. trust your yourself in a way trust what you're feeling and kind of like really go in inside inwards and really got connect with your thoughts and your feelings and see if like do I really want to go ahead with it or am I just doing this because everyone has said so or it's written somewhere that this is going to work so you have to have like a lot of belief in yourself when you're starting something new yeah for sure <laughs> and obviously you know you're a finance girl you work with numbers <laughs> um what's the kind of balance between going with your gut and going for what the numbers are telling you well, there is, um, that depends on the limit of stocks we buy. Um, so that kind of 
So the amount we calculate and we purchase, it depends on the budget we create for it. Right. So we have an initial budget and we'll say, this is how much, we calculate how much it costs in total, and then we'll decide according to that budget how much stock we get, and then when we sell, we'll see which products sell more, etc., etc., and then we'll predict the next batch. We're kind of like buying everything in batches. It's not, because they're so far away, we can't just, they just can't come right, through. Right. But yeah, simple as that. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've got a lot of students kind of uh, watch our podcast and take okay. inspiration from nice. people such as yourself. Um, we were all student once, I think, I hope. Um, <laughs> so kind of what would your advice be to kind of anybody who's young and kind of starting out and thinking, oh, I don't know, um, whether I should go for this particular idea. Like, what, what would your advice be to them as someone who's kind of, you know, you've worked in the corporate world and you've also been an entrepreneur, and are an entrepreneur? Um, so, they can follow their uni routes as well. Um, I, I wouldn't advise everyone to be like, oh, you started this subject, don't go for it, yeah. start from scratch. I think definitely explore what you've studied first, but if you want to start something new and try something new, um, I think what I would say, a lot of people have a lot of ideas, but they're too scared to go forward with it. So um, all the tools are available and they are like everything you need is out there. So if you have any idea that you want to create or you want to bring to life, everything is available. There's nothing that is missing in today's day and age. Technology is so advanced. So um, it's important to trial things out uh not to be too harsh on yourself if it works or it doesn't work and um just continue to be ambitious and continue to strive and continue to stick to what you believe in because there'll be a lot of people for example like i'm sure being albanian if you share some of the ideas with like the right. community or your parents right. they're like a vegan. The, the, the <laughs> what community. is this? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't even know what that is. So like, if I if I if I have this conversation, which I did with like older generations, it was like getting blood out of a stone. It was, oh, it was so difficult. Um, so, but regardless of what they said, it just it didn't change my opinion of what I was doing. I was still gonna try it out. But sometimes there are people who whenever they get a negative feedback or something doesn't work out, mm. it'll, it'll stop them from continuing their idea and it will really prevent them from an amazing yeah. thing happening. So I think just be courageous and yeah. have faith in yourself and just go for it. I think that's so important because a lot of times people in the Albanian community do things, you know, basically <laughs> saying like, you know, oh, I'm doing this because, you know, my parents told me to do this or my yeah. community expects yeah. something of me. And kind of going against the grain is not something that we often see. So. It's true. They they like to follow the crowd or and listen to like what they've been told, and that's that's important because sometimes you do get values from your parents and the older generation because they've been through things, so they they want the best for you. But as a new young generation, uh, you come up with new ideas. You you can be uh, more uh, you can be more re revolutionary with everything. You can create new trends and start new things as well. So. A combination of both, I think, yeah. yeah. But I do agree with like the Albanian community. It's quite hard sometimes uh, to include myself in that journey yeah. to kind of branch out and not listen to right. anyone and just go for it. Yeah. It's quite tricky. No, 100%. And obviously the, the <laughs> things that we're trying to do with this podcast, right, we're trying to 
break those stereotypes and break down those barriers and tell Albanians, um, or for anyone watching if you're not Albanian, um, hey, listen, just... Go for it. Yeah, forget about all the noise and all of that, just go for it. Ultimately, you have one life to live, right? And, you know, when those, well. when, those other, when those other people are gone... Um, you know, you know, it's so dark. Yeah, I know. This one took a little dark turn, but anyway. Um, yeah, we'll uh, remove all of those people soon. <laughs> Okay, um, and finally, to end it, because let's not end it on a dark note, let's end it on a light note, let's end it with promoting your company. Um, where can we find Kayamar? Where can we go to? How can we get your products? So, follow us on Instagram, uh, and across all our social media, it's at, at by Kayamar. And now we are also live, um, kayamar.co.uk, um, and we will be, you can purchase via our website, and hopefully um, in the nearby future we'll be collaborating with some brands and some um, departments so if things go well you'll be able to see us in um, some other places can you give us like... a uh, sneak preview or no no because uh, there's still like discussions etc okay, but okay we'll keep you fingers, guys updated across social media yeah, yeah so stay in touch <laughs> yeah definitely fingers crossed and uh, best of luck um, thank you so much thank, thank you, for you me. thank you let's give a round of applause Thank you, amazing.